right it's time it's time for the second episode of this week from your boys here at the in time wrestling podcast back here to cover monday night raw from monday and smackdown from last night and i think we were pretty much hit the nail on the head about this week it was very very lackluster yeah like i get it we're getting close to wrestlemania but like you can still do something interesting here. Like, it. this show, this whole week, honestly felt throwaway. Almost. And that sucks. Like, there was, like, a, maybe a few things, like, during this whole week that it was talked, like, that you could talk about. And then, like, supposedly something big that happened that broke last night. But, like, other than that, really hasn't been much... Aren't we, week. aren't we, like, two weeks away from WrestleMania? Yes. As of not, yeah, as of not, not, not this coming Sunday, but next Sunday. Like, after next Sunday is, we're on, it's the last stretch of WrestleMania. Like, till WrestleMania. And that's fucking crazy. Like, it's crazy. Like, the, the month feels like it flew. I, I just remember not too long ago, it's saying, like, 58 days away to Wrestlemania. I'm like... I have to say, this month did feel like it flew. It really did. And I, it's been... Other than, like, having Revolution, there was not being... Not, not having a pay-per-view on March was almost kind of refreshing, but also very weird, because we're so accustomed to monthly pay-per-views. Yeah. Like, it felt good to not have one, like, WWE-wise, but it also felt weird because we didn't have one as well so again we will start monday night raw we we kicked off the show this was the night where we first found out the news about scott hall's passing again rest in peace to the bad guy we again we we'd heard about him not that he was on life support after complications with hip surgery and that turned into him having three heart attacks which then put him on life support they then said that they were going to take him off life support apparently he stayed fighting for four hours and then raw broke the news of course at the beginning where immediately where we found out that he had passed which was like we we were all like is he gonna make it is he gonna make it we're not gonna see a graphic we're not gonna see a graphic and as soon as raw starts we see a graphic and it just this show was to a lot of people it was was rough to get through because of seeing that and then the show didn't benefit it at all like to make it any better yeah so it started off with the graphic all of a sudden, we we went to a video package where Kevin Owens was calling where he called out Austin Austin had responded he said he was going to be there at Mania so 
We kicked off the show at Kevin Owens, who came out to a chorus of booze. Owens started his promo off with Hey Yo, which was awesome. I was like, somebody started it off. We ain't even like 20 seconds into this show, and we're already getting a Scott Hall tribute right there from somebody with a Hey Yo. So he says he's the happiest Canadian of all time. Because he's not just going to WrestleMania 38, he's going to the main event as far as he's concerned. Because his guest for the KO show will be WWE Hall of Famer Stone Cold Steve Austin. Owens goes on about how his WrestleMania chances were looking bad, but he had the idea to challenge the Texan who embodies the rest of the yellow tooth Texans. And it worked. Fans are chanting USA. Owens goes on about being proud of himself. He says... He'll see the most stupendous WrestleMania ever as he smears Stone Cold all over Texas. Owen says he heard Austin loud and clear when he said he was coming to open one final can of whoop-ass, but that's not happening. Owen says the only can that will be opened is a can of Canadian beer after he finishes Austin off. Owen says he doesn't drink beer, but he'll make an exception this time. He goes on and says... No one will be saying, oh, hell yeah, when he's done with Austin. They'll be saying, oh, hell no, when he's done beating the hell out of Austin. Owen suddenly then turns over and stuns the camera guy. <laughs> like, so that was how the segment ended. I remember someone on Twitter, I don't remember exactly who said it, but they they uh, they screenshotted the pose that the cameraman was in once he got stunnered. Mm-hmm. And someone, whoever said the tweet, they're like, someone signed this man. He's an excellent seller. <laughs> he did take it pretty well. I'll give him that. But like, I thought it was hysterical that he just turns over, looks at the camera guy, gives him a stunner. I thought he gave him the bird like Austin would, but like, he hit him with the stunner. Guy sold it like a charm. Like, again, I'm in the end of this, I'm just happy it's not a match. I will say it numerous times. I'm just happy it's not a match. If it's a segment, it's I'm fine with it. I don't really need to see. I don't think it's. I don't need to see Austin wrestle again. I really don't. Like no one should be like jonesing to see Steve Austin get back in a ring like that. He's. I, I, I'm telling you, his ending, his his retirement was perfect, literally perfect. Against The Rock, one of his. Long-time rivals, you finally take the L to that rival, and then just, and and then you retire. Like, I thought it was perfect. So, we got that. We kicked off the show, where immediately I get, like, really? We're doing this now. So, we've talked about, after the whole Finn Balor and Damian Priest thing, that it was going to be them at WrestleMania, more than likely. It's going to be Damien versus Demon. It just makes sense yeah. to do it. So all of a sudden, the show kicks off with Finn Balor versus Damien Priest. With Damien Priest getting the win. So immediately I go, why? Like, you, you, you couldn't hold off till Mania for this? You couldn't just have them tease more between the two of them till eventually Damien comes out with his Damien character with some different look and then Balor finally breaks the demon out. Like, 
Why did we have to have this match now? Like, all it was was to solidify the fact that we're having this at Mania. But why do we need to keep doing this, solidify that this is going to happen when we already know it's going to happen? Like, And wasn't this the weird, like, random thing where uh, Austin Theory was out? Yeah, Theory came out and was sitting on... at commentary, and he tried, and he got inter, and he, he tried to interfere during the match. He got up on the ring apron. Balor got distracted. Tried to take a shot at Austin Theory. This is because I'm guessing their feud is kind of still going with it. Like, but Theory's busy dealing with Pat McAfee, but Theory keeps sticking his nose in everything Finn Balor's doing. Like, we. First off, Theory at the end of this, after Damien takes out Balor, slides in again and hits his brand new ATL finisher that he has, and then just, again, snaps pictures of Balor. And I'm like, does does Austin Theory do anything else at this point? Yeah, I remember not too long ago, you were saying that someone on social media was saying that Austin Theory is becoming overexposed. And... I, when you said that, I didn't... I thought it was a stupid remark. Mm-hmm. But this week was the first week that I was like, you know, I don't really need to see this much Austin Theory. Yeah, he's... Like, he was, he was out here for this, and then he was out at on SmackDown during fucking SmackDown on Friday where he, Pat McAfee had to apologize, which we'll talk about. My thing is this. He's... He's interjecting himself, pretty much telling us that his main focus is Finn Balor. So, what the hell does he have to do with this United States title situation? It's almost like he should be involved in that and not facing Pat. But he's got to deal with Pat, but he's too busy focusing on the U.S. title stuff. And still feuding with Finn Balor. Like, it's... Such a, it's a weird thing because there's too much going on with him right now. Like, don't even interject him in this U.S. title stuff until the Pat stuff's over. Like, don't, like, it's too much too soon already for, for, for Austin Theory. Yeah. He just comes out and does the same thing every week. Balor gets beaten up. He decides to slide in there, hit him with his finisher, take some pictures, and that's it. It's literally all theories done since Balor's come back. And it's like, he was even doing that beforehand, before Balor went out with whatever the hell was going on. I know he talked about it, but I haven't actually listened to what the hell it was. Yeah, apparently he said he wasn't in the Rumble because he had visa issues. Oh, well, again, like, keep Theory out of this situation for now until... You know, he's done with Pat. Yeah. Like, I don't, first of all, I don't even get why him and, like, Balor are still going at it right now. Damien's too busy, is focusing on Balor, and then, like, are we just gonna write that off when it's done? Because I don't know how much longer that can keep going. I think this WrestleMania match is where you finish it, with Damien and Demon. Yeah. But, like, it, it clearly tells you theories next... So does it give away that Balor retains? Like, at WrestleMania? Just so Theory can go take it, like, possibly take it from him? I mean, it's obvious from the start that Balor's retaining at Mania. I mean, it's just, I I think there's too much for, it's too much for Theory already. 
Like, make him stick with one thing before you start throwing him in other things. Yeah. And again, I, I just wasn't... I thought this was good. I just wasn't a fan of it because why are we having this now? Like, if, if, if it was just to solidify the fact that we're having the WrestleMania match, we knew we were having the WrestleMania match. Damien's done enough to prove that he says, hey, I'm going to face you at WrestleMania without saying it. Like, he just... it Everything he's done to Balor so far since losing the U.S. title screams, we're having a rematch already. Yeah. We didn't need a match now to solidify the fact that we're going to get the rematch. Like, yeah, we, we didn't need to pin Finn Balor to be like, oh, well, I guess Priest gets his rematch. No, it, it's just, it was just re- not necessary. So, to that, Kevin Patrick approached an unhappy-looking Seth Rollins backstage and asked if anything's changed in the last week or is he still not a part of WrestleMania. Rollins just stares at Kevin Patrick as we hear fans chanting, fucking Cody again. We then cut to Omos and Commander Aziz as the next match. So, we saw what happened last week with Apollo Crews, where Omos decimates Apollo Crews. We even said on the show, you know, we're actually somewhat looking forward to this because it should be two, just two hoss fucking men slamming together, fucking throwing each other around. Well, not throwing each other around, but just like, Two imposing figures at, like, a, a standstill with yeah. each other. But it was, uh... Very not interesting. very one-sided. Yeah, it... First off, when you took Commander Aziz, before and all the raw underground stuff, you made him look like he was going to be a dominant threat. So I figured putting him with Apollo... When they put him with Apollo Crews, it would still end up making him look like a dominant threat. And boy, oh boy, have I been fucking wrong about that. (laughs) The fact that this giant man has to wrestle this other giant man who is probably fucking petrified to take a bump because it bores the ever-living shit out of me of almost just walking around the ring and not taking a bump even once, like... Almost is fucking pointless anymore like at all like i'm not interested in anything almost does i don't care what his big wrestlemania match is you threw out a fucking goddamn suggestion that i do not even want to think of the fact of it happening is him and fucking kali if that even happens i bet you the whole arena gets up to go take a shit (laughs) like fuck that no, I'm sorry. Almost, just, just go. I, I'm not a fan of almost. I can't stand the lumbering giant. I just cannot. And him trying to fight Commander Aziz, who I thought has just a little bit more than almost, but no, it had to be one-sided so almost can keep looking dominant. But it was just, it was just so bad. It was so bad. Yeah, I, I've, I tried at first to. To uh, to defend Omos as much as I could, being like, oh well, he's not he's not exactly like Kali. Like at least he's somewhat more mobile than Kali, which I still <sighs> stand by. He's still as mobile as Kali. That's the only thing that I, can, that I can give him. But that doesn't mean he's entertaining. Yeah, no, at all. So, 
almost gets the win. He did hit the suplex on on Commander Aziz and then did hit the two-handed choke slam again. Just And then he absolute, beat Apollo Crews yeah, again. Just it was a throwaway match. I just didn't care. It was nothing at all important about it, nothing at all interesting about it, and it's just it's just what a Oh, an almost match is nowadays. Yeah. It's not interesting. So, Kevin Owens came backstage after this. He was approached, he approached Seth Rollins. Owens understood that things are tough, and the tough times don't last, and tough guys do. It was kind of a, a, a kind of little twist and a reference of Scott Hall again. So, Kevin Owens was on the Scott Hall references tonight, which, shouts out to Kevin Owens for that. Owens says... Rollins can still get on WrestleMania 38 if he just focuses his energy elsewhere and comes up with something, like Owens did. Owens says Rollins is the visionary, so he needs to come up with a vision. Owens brings up some of Rollins' WrestleMania moments and keeps hyping him up, telling him to build something for himself at WrestleMania so they can have a... And then all of a sudden Rollins just smiles, as he apparently has an idea, so he... Rushes off, and Owens thinks he's helped Rollins, and he's, so we leave that, and then we get Liv Morgan versus Zelina Vega, which wasn't that bad. It just wasn't that good. It was yeah, just it, there. It was just there. It at wasn't. This point. It wasn't much of anything. It was, it was mainly Carmella. Yeah. Focusing on Corey Graves, and here's my thing. I'm gonna say. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I... I don't care. I could care less. I don't care about Corey and Carmella's wedding. I really don't. Like... I... I... I complimented Carmella once. And it seemed like as soon as I complimented her, everything that I complimented about her is just gone. I think that's the thing with Carmella. She has this one moment where you can give her some kind of praise, and then everything else is just like, ugh, no, why? Stop it. Go away. Knock it off. Like, And the fact also is that, like, it seems like she's doing, like, two different things at once. She's doing this thing where, like, clearly they're trying to make her and Corey, like, a in- an in-ring thing. Like an on-screen couple. Yeah. Which is, ugh. They're trying to make them to an in-ring couple. While also trying to continue the stupid fucking glamour mask thing. Oh, I hate that thing. That needs Get to Get rid go. of the fucking mask, please. It looks absolutely ridiculous. I'd, I'd, I'd want to know, if she, even if she's the one who came up with that, I want to know how the hell she looked at that and said, this needs to work. This can work. Yeah. Because it doesn't. It's it awful. really doesn't. Like, it looks ridiculous. Newsflash, Carmella. It's wrestling. Your face is going to get fucked up. Get over it. Stop wearing a fucking bedazzled, stupid, fucking charcoal-looking mask and trying to protect your face like it's going to fucking help. It's wrestling. You're going to get beat up. Stuff's going to happen to you. Like, my God. I just... There's nothing... It's, it's clearly just a fucking tease. They're still just throwing all these signs out that it's clearly obvious that Zelina and Carmella are losing the tag titles. It's not that hard to realize. Yeah. If she's got all her focus on her wedding day with Corey Graves, 
There's no fucking way that they're retaining those titles. And there wouldn't be a fucking point for them to retain those titles. Mm-hmm. So, Liv gets the win. I'm just happy Liv's on, like, still on TV. I figured that she was going to get fucked after this whole... After everything that she did with Becky, and then that was it. I thought they were going to end up freaking taking her off TV. Again, I'm just happy Liv's on TV. She's gotten so much better. I yeah. love it. And her and Rhea, I don't mind her and Rhea as a team. Yeah, the, the, I really the, don't. the pairing is actually really good. They work well together. And they have that kind of like... They seem like they're kind of goth-like girls together. And it works. The two of them together works. It's also sort of... It's, it's very like... Big sis, little sis type of thing. Good call on that one, because I like the sound of that. And I like it. So, Morgan gets the win. After the match, Ray and Liv stood tall as their music hit. Vega's just looking over at Carmella like, she's so pissed at her because she keeps getting distracted and not paying attention to the match and just paying attention to Corey. Like, I'm over it. I just don't give a damn. Get it away. Just go get married so they don't have to keep bringing it up, and then they can shut up about it, and the only time they can talk about it is on their stupid show. Yeah. So, as they're celebrating, Seth Rollins' music hit, and scared the shit out of Liv Morgan, because it was, the, the burn it down kicks in, and I just hear a scream, and I'm like, oh, Rollins' music scared the shit out of somebody, and I was like, oh, it's Liv, that's hysterical. So, Rollins came out doing his dance, we cut to a commercial we come back from the commercial and then of course we see the fucking msg stuff again like i i'm over yeah they need they need to stop showing that yeah i'm i'm over the msg shit like it you tried your damnedest to make it so exciting like oh it's the possibility of lesnar losing the title at msg when it was just a fucking minute and a half squash match yeah like, just so Lesnar can bleed the hard way. Big deal. Wow. Okay. Wow. It, we've seen Lesnar beat up Reigns for years, and now all of a sudden, the tables have turned, and it's such a big deal. Like Yeah, Roman literally bled, bled the hard way at, I don't remember what made, it was the one that they made evented, but mm-hmm. it was trash. Yeah. I think it, it was, was 36. Yeah, uh, 35, I think it's 33, 30, wasn't it? Or no. 33 or 35, I think. It was remember. one of those two, but it, it was, was whatever mania. I think it was whatever mania that Ronda debuted. It was just it was, it was Ronda and Kurt and then Triple H I'm, and Steph. Again, I'm I'm, I'm overseeing one. it. Like I I'm I'm I've pulled all my interest out of that match, still because it's unification, and I still think it's overdone. They're doing their damnedest here, and they've done so many freaking twists and turns to where I d- I'm just not interested anymore. Yeah. Paul Heyman being the hot potato and not knowing where he wants to be aligned with, and Brock and Roman, and now it's a unification match. Like, everything, like, I, I said it once, and I'll say it again, everything from day one till now, like, yeah, there's been a few pretty decent moments like pretty good moments in this whole build-up but it got fucked up completely everything from day one got fucked up just the fact that you gave the title to brock you fucked up everything right there so we came back from the commercial we see 
Rollins. He's got a mic. He says he has a plan to get himself to WrestleMania. He thought all hope was lost for WrestleMania when he and Kevin Owens came up short with the Raw Tag Titles match last week. And then his friend Owens reminded him who he is. A visionary. A revolutionary. Seth freaking Rollins. And he has a plan, but he wants to... He wants his best friend to be out here. Rollins wants to share the excitement with Owens. He calls Owens to the ring. Fans were booing again. Music hit. So Owens and the fans are ready. Owens asks if Rollins needs a drum roll, but he doesn't. Rollins brings up Owens hosting the KO show with Stone Cold and asks if Rollins also has a talk show. And asks what if Rollins also had a talk show, which we know he did. Once, like, again, Rollins report, mm -hmm. like, freaking speaking with Seth Rollins, or he can bring back the Rollins report, or what if his guest was Stone Cold? He says, Owen says, no way, Austin's his guest. He has a talk show at WrestleMania, and Rollins can't. Owens is fully behind Rollins having a plan for WrestleMania, but this isn't it. Rollins agrees that there can only be one talk show at WrestleMania. So he proposes that they have a match tonight and the winner gets to have Stone Cold as their talk show guest at WrestleMania. Owen says no. He had the idea first and he's already pissed Austin off and Austin's coming for him. So they start arguing. Sonya Deville comes out and pretty much confirms... That we're going to have that match. So, immediately, I'm just like, what? what's the point of this? Why? This? If this is just to drag out what Seth's doing again, like, why? It's obvious at this point. Yeah. Owens, Owens losing all this trash talk he's done to Texas. Owens losing to Seth Rollins... And Rollins doing the talk show. Like, you can't tell me that makes any fucking sense. Not even once. Not even a tiny bit. You could rearrange words like a like a like magnets on a on a on a fridge and rearrange words, and neither way does it make a single bit of sense if Rollins had win like even wins this match. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. None. So we saw the recent happenings in the WrestleMania 38 feud with The Miz and Logan Paul and the Mysterios. Just. And after that, we get a Mysterios versus the Hurt Business match again. So. Miz got involved the last time, and the Hurt Business get the win. Was the last time they fought. Guess what happens this week? 50-50 booking at its finest. The Mysterios get the win this time. Can't wait to see it again. Uh, I'm sorry. There is not a single ounce of care for this. Like, this is the biggest waste for Ray and Dom. And I know what you're probably thinking. Why would well, it's gotta be a waste for The Miz, too. No, I don't give a fuck about The Miz. Really don't. <laughs> I don't care if the guy's on the card. I don't care if he's not on the card. I don't care if he's sitting at home banging his wife watching the show. I don't give two shits. I don't care what The Miz is doing. Like, 
Ray and Dom should be doing something at WrestleMania. The Miz, eh, who gives a damn? Like, it's just nothing about this feud that's any, like, has any interest in it. And Logan Paul does not make anything better. Logan Paul is fucking awful. Was awful. This, was this the... This is where Miz and Logan Paul start beating up the Mysterios after the match, right? Yes. And this is where and they almost beat they up... They almost hit the 619 on Logan, and he... Yeah. He's... He's, he's awful. He is terrible. <laughs> he... He doesn't... He's, like, he's, his reaction time is terrible. His reaction time is terrible, and it, I don't think he realizes that, like, when he gets hit with something, he needs to sell it. This, yeah. Like, this isn't boxing. Yeah, we you can't get just it. get hit in the face and be like, alright, gotta, gotta, gotta stick through these punches. No, right. no, you, you, if you get kicked in the leg, you mm -hmm. gotta, you gotta sell the leg something, on time. Right? Not get kicked and be like... Oh, oh, ow, 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 ow. Delayed reaction much. So, again, I wanted Ray and Dom to hit him with the freaking 619 so bad. They yeah, really did. They're saving it for Mania. Of course. <sighs> anyway. So we get a look back at last week's dark promo from Edge, who had words for AJ Styles ahead of their WrestleMania match, and Edge said he was going to, and they said that Edge was going to be there tonight. So the announcers plugged 2K22... We got the trailer for the game, and we went back to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. Announcers show us a video of Queen Charmel being announced for the Hall of Fame, which, again, we talked about on last episode. It's just, it's such a random induction. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to me. There's so much that we talked about this uh, on Thursday when we recorded. Mm -hmm. There's just... So many other women that deserve and could have been inducted in the Hall of Fame this year that it just doesn't make any sense comparing it to Charmel. I think the again the only reason why they probably did it that they went with it is because Texas. Yeah, Texas, because her and Booker live in Texas, and just Booker's doing the induction again. Like again, congrats to her, but it just doesn't make sense yeah. at all. Like, I I just I don't get it at all. So, we went back to the ring, and out came Edge. He had a new theme song, which, again, was awesome. Yeah, that I've listened to the theme song three times. And it doesn't to get... To get, a, like, a, a hold of it and get used to it. And every single time, I'm just like, this is so fucking sick. I, I, the, immediately when I heard it, I went, oh, God, they changed, Ed's, they changed Edge's music. And I went, oh, shit. And I listened to it. I'm sitting there listening to it, and I, I heard the beginning like in like when it started, and I'm like, okay, it doesn't sound too bad. So I'll let, I'll, I'll listen to it a couple like a little bit and see where we get here. And then it started going, and then it started going into it more. And I heard, and it sounded like an Alter Bridge song because even the vocalists sound like it was Alter Bridge. Yeah. And I just listened to it, and I'm like, okay, that was pretty. That was really good. I was like, I enjoy that theme, and I was like, I don't mind this change here. And then I was like, I uh, the only thing that saves this at this point, like the only thing that makes it even better is if it's an Alter Bridge song. And then we found out that it actually still is an Alter Bridge song. So yeah. again, it just got even better. So it 
completely gets a check mark on a pass there. I'm glad Edge was like, yeah, I'm gonna get a new theme, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna contact Alter Bridge because <laughs> I've heard these theme songs that they're giving these new people and then just <laughs> Ooh, Woof. That shows you it's, that Edge is a massive Alter Bridge the like fan right there. Like my God, like he went from one Alter Bridge song to another and yeah. They both are dope, hands down. And I'm glad he did, because if Def Rebel or whatever, yeah, that's Def their Rebel, name, right? Yeah. The, the people that make WWE's themes now, if they made Edge a new theme and it was just generic rock See, guitarist and bass and drum set number no. 72. <laughs> See, when it comes to Def Rebel, they've had a few, like, when I listen to them, and I don't think they're that bad. Yeah, there, there's been some... But there's a lot of people that get new theme songs by them, and then, my God, do they sound like generic, just picked up the guitar and just started playing freaking chords, and we're just like, there you go, there's his theme song. <laughs> like, so random, so generic, so, like, garage band sounding music. Like, just bad. Yeah, some of, their, some of Def Rebel's themes are actually, like, pretty decent. Damien Priest, for instance, mm-hmm. is not bad. As much as I liked his, as much as I love his original entrance, I love, I don't hate this one at all that he has. I think it's cool. I like it. He's a prime example of a good theme song they've made. Yeah. Like, I don't hate the Dirty Dog theme really too much. I like that much. It's not that bad. I think it's okay. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. It's just, again, it's weird to hear the the two of them come out to, like, some different voice saying, we're here to show the world, and then it's just got this different music, and it's like, oh, really? Yeah, like, Dirty Dog's theme starts off so well. Like, it has the two of their themes together meshed into, like, In the, the beginning. way it starts. Yeah. It does the piano rift. And then it does the... We're here the, to show the yeah, world thing. Yeah. Does that part. And then it just drifts into generic rock. But it's, it's not that bad, really. Yeah, it's not bad. But it doesn't it's sound like, awful. It just sounds weird. It just sounds awkward. Because you see those two and you know they both have awesome theme songs separately. And then you see them come out to like this generic thing where it's like, you started off well... But then you kind of foobarred it at the end where you're just like, uh, just play a little bit here and this one here and theme song. Like, as long as we could both admit that the worst, this isn't Def Rebel, but the worst theme within the past, like, five years had to have been the first of when Asuka and Kyrie Sane were teaming together. Oh, the, the mesh they, of they their were, music? They would just play Asuka's theme and then just transition into Kyrie's, and then transition back to Asuka's, and the, then transition back to Kyrie's. The the Kabuki Warrior theme was awesome. Yeah. I love the Kabuki Warrior theme. So, anyway, Edge got new music, and it kicks ass. It's awesome. Yeah. So Edge says, let's bring everyone up to speed. He's the benchmark of WWE. He's realized over the past few weeks what he really is. Edge says... He's better than everyone. It's given, it's a given he's better than all the fans, but he's better than every person in this industry. It's taken him some time since returning two years ago to show this because the edge who returned was weak. 
as he focused on appeasing the fans, Edge says he's now realized the fans don't matter to him. He recalls some of his losses, including the feud for the with Raw Tag Team Champion Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, and then the title shot with, with Roman, and even talked about the triple threat at WrestleMania. He called him Aquaman, the Aquaman cosplayer who can't lace his boots. So we just took whatever the hell this dark edge is now and just pretty much told the tribal chief that he ain't shit. <laughs> like, holy hell. So Edge says, if that Edge faced AJ Styles at WrestleMania, AJ would leave him in the dust. But that Edge is dead. Edge says... Now he sits on his mountain of omnipotence and he looks down on everyone. He won't be judged by the fans, anyone in the locker room, and, and certainly not AJ Styles. Fans chant, you suck. Edge goes on and says, if AJ makes it to WrestleMania with two generational talents in the ring, he will be judged. Edge dropped the mic and exited as the new music started up. Again, these two, I'm so amped for this match. These two don't even have to do anything to hype me up to want to see this match. Yeah. They could have literally just announced the match, had AJ hit with the concertos, not done a fucking thing the entire time, had AJ just come back, have Edge just randomly come back, like either this week, like this week here, or next week, or even the week before Mania, and just show up and just talk about him saying that he, about what he did, and they could have debuted that character at the last minute, and it still wouldn't have changed my opinion on wanting to see this. It is Edge and AJ Styles. I am so excited for this match. They they don't even have to do a damn thing, and they've done so much for it already that I can't wait. Yeah, how I could, love how this could you edge. not want to see this? I love this Edge. I really do. Edge seems like no matter what the hell character he is anymore, whether he's a happy-go-lucky babyface, the rated R superstar, whatever the hell this Edge is, it works. It works. And again, did 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 this Edge break out the badass AJ Styles? Is the question, and we're gonna find out because AJ has even said he's coming to Raw next week. So. Can't wait to see what the hell's going to happen on that outcome. So, we went to... We saw how Bianca Belair whipped Becky Lynch with her hair. Sarah Schreiber's backstage with Bianca. Asking about how Becky's saying Bianca's hair is an advantage going into WrestleMania. Bianca says her hair is an advantage, but also a disadvantage. She did use her hair to whip some sense into Becky but only after Becky used her hair against her. Bianca go went on about and said that she's the real advantage in the is the real advantage is this. We no longer hear Becky running her mouth and Raw's been quiet since she taught Becky a lesson with her hair. Bianca said tonight she'll use Piper Niven to give Becky Lynch a preview of WrestleMania and if Becky can't talk now, wait until she shuts her up for good at WrestleMania. So again, we get a Bianca Belair Piper Niven match. Wasn't bad. Not not bad. I'll give it that. Again, I still think their first match that ended in a 
count out is still their best match together. Yeah. Again, Bianca gets the win by picking her up in the KOD. And here's my thing about this. We've seen her pick her up in the KOD so much now. Yeah, we've seen her pick we've seen her pick her up like four times. Yes. And the the commentators are still like freaking out about it. It's like, like it's like every time that John Cena would pick up the big show. Yeah. And they'd be like, "Oh my god, look at the strength." Like sure, it's a it's a huge it's a huge yes. feat to pick up a person that size. Mm-hmm. But it's, you could only do it so many times and be like, oh, wow, she got her up right. again. Like, even when Cena fought big guys, you would go, when you see him pick up a big guy, you would go, holy shit. But, like, the more you saw it happen, you just were like, oh, okay. It's like, do I really doubt that Cena can't pick this guy up? Like, come on, I've seen him pick up other big guys. Like, I know we can get him up. Yeah. It's the same thing with Bianca. I know how freaking strong she is. I watch, I see how strong she is. The first time she ever picked Piper up in the in the KOD, it was nuts. And then the second time you see it, and it's like, it's still fucking crazy. And then you see it a third time, and you're like, okay, well, it's still kind of interesting. It's still awesome to see, but it's like, okay, we've seen this now. And then you see it again, it's like, okay, now we've seen it. Like... You really want me to just go ape shit crazy about it? Like, yeah, don't don't get me wrong. It's still impressive, but yes. it's it's not anything to like jump out of your seat. Right. Like, oh my god! Wow. Yeah. So Bianca gets the win after the match. Bianca was standing tall. Becky shows up, whips her out of the ring, proceeds to was stepping, was using her hair again. At one point, she she finally puts a chair around Bianca's neck, grabs her by the braid, and pulls her into the ring post. Pulls the chair into the post. Throat first into the post. Bianca's down. And Becky proceeds to lean down to Bianca and said, that's just the start of it. Next week, it's your hair, bitch. And then walks off. So, here's my thing. Why is she waiting till next week? Why did she wait till next week? You had a perfect opportunity by throwing her into the post. If you're going to get rid of her hair, if this is like legitimately about to happen, where we're going to see Bianca Belair's braid cut off by Becky Lynch, why did you not do it when you had her down? Like, you... This was a perfect opportunity. Yeah. You pulled her into the post. She's laid out. Like, she's not going to be able to fight back. Grab some fucking giant-ass scissors and cut that shit off if you're going to do it. Don't wait until next week where she'll be prepared for you to come out and do this. Not not even just prepared. She might not even be there. Right? Like, you had the perfect opportunity what if she's not there next week? Also, that's a good point. Is Becky going to show up at her fucking hospital bed? <laughs> like, that would be interesting. I'm not going to lie. But I would, if I were, if, if Becky was there, she should have taken advantage of that while she had her down. Yeah. Logically, she she should have slammed her throat into the fucking, right? into the post with the chair on it. And then should have grabbed, like, 
hedge clippers. Right? In the end, if, if Bianca's prepared snapped. for this, if she's prepared for this next week, Becky fucked up. Yeah, it's Becky's own fault. Right? Unless, Bian- like, if Bianca's back next week, even after getting her freaking throat smashed into a, with a chair into the ring post, and she's back next week and prepared to fight, like, Becky fucked up big time. She needed, like, at that point, she should have just taken advantage of it while she had her laid out. Like, t- the question is, is she going to cut the braid? Probably if, not. Probably not. Like, but would it make it more interesting if she cut the braid? Yeah, and I brought this up to you uh, before, like, on Monday. I don't think Bianca needs the braid anymore. Mm-mm. No. I really don't think so either. I think I think she's outplayed that sort of gimmick. Yeah. Like it's it's the thing that really set her apart from people. Everyone looked at Bianca and she's like they were like, "Oh, she has this gigantic braid. She's uber athletic. She's super talented. All these other things." But the thing that set her apart is that she had the gigantic braid that was... It just made her stand out Mm -hmm. because nobody ever has had a braid that's basically down to the floor. Mm -hmm. She... uh, I, I, I think it would make the story more interesting if the braid gets cut. Yeah. I think it it make it puts a nice twist on there if the braid gets cut off. I think it just it just adds something different to it mm-hmm. instead of it just looking like oh well she just beat her up now she's gonna be off TV for a few for like a week and then she'll come back the following week and chase Becky off or something like that like it's just like I think a nice twist and an interesting twist in itself would be having her cut the braid even if she has to show up. At, like, if Bianca's home resting, have her show up at her house and cut that braid off. Yeah. I would just, it would be so much interesting. Because I'm already, I, I compared to the two women's titles matches, this is the one I'm more important, I'm more interested in completely. Because I know these two are going to have a great match. I know they're going to. I'm not really that interested in the, in the SmackDown side. They're trying their damnedest to make it interesting, but it's not. Like, the Raw Women's title is a hell of a lot more interesting and important right now than it is the SmackDown one. So, we'll see what happens next week. Especially if she says, next week, it's the hair. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, of course, we got a video package following that of the, of the SmackDown Women's title situation. Again, we'll talk about that when we get to SmackDown. So, we went back to the ring... RK Bro came out. They were doing their RK Bro celebration, talking about how they won the tag titles and everything. So we went to a commercial. We came back. RK Bro was in the ring. We see how Randy and Matt Riddle became tag champions last week in the triple threat. That was absolutely amazing. Yep. Probably one of the most amazing RKO counters you'll ever see. So the ring set up for a party balloons a banner snacks and everything else you could think of matt riddle says he keeps playing last week over and over in his head 
and he's excited because they're going to WrestleMania. Orton says, damn right they are. He was doing math, and this WrestleMania will be his 18th. And he thinks it'll be the his best because he's never been tag team champion. But he's also never had a partner or a friend like Riddle. Orton organized this party and says he's not as good as Riddle with things like this, but... Riddle says this is the greatest night of his career. Randy has gifts on the table, concession stand popcorn, bubble gum, and one more item that Randy says goes with the gum and must be shared. It's a small green bag, and Orton says he looked high and low for it. So now Randy's doing stoner puns. (laughs) This is, again, I, I love this. I love the two of these guys together. It's great it's it the two of them are so enjoyable and it's it's good to see randy actually enjoying himself yeah having fun right like we when the hell was the last time if ever we've seen randy orton actually have a fun time like yeah has that even been a thing in his entire career i highly doubt it so before matt riddle can reveal the gift out comes street profits Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins come out. Prophets try to get a RK Bro chant going. Riddle calls them to the into the party, saying he didn't realize Orton invited them. Montez says they didn't come to party, reminding RK Bro they recently pinned them on Raw. Prophets originally challenge officially challenge Orton Riddle to a match at WrestleMania. Orton goes on about all they had to do to get a rematch. Was all the, all they had to do was to to get a rematch was just ask pretty much. So Orton says they can't just win a match and expect to be next in line. But again, he offered them popcorn and said he said the answer was no. Riddle was all in for it. Like again, he did because it's Matt Riddle. He's always just like he's there always. So. Riddle called them bros, but Dawkins says when it comes to the titles, they're not bros. Ford says he doesn't know if Orton understood him. The crowd interrupts with an RK Bro chant. Montez says RK Bro owes them a title shot, and they're past asking for opportunities around here. They're telling RK Bro that they will be facing them at WrestleMania. Orton goes on about how none of the big names he's faced have told him what he'll do when they're in the ring, including WWE Champion and CEO Vince McMahon, including yeah, including WWE Champion and CEO Vince McMahon, and Ford won't either. Orton tells Montez to take his homie and leave the ring, or he's going to listen to the voices in his head and make them leave. So again. Randy's pretty much saying no. You know how Matt Riddle's going to be like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But now, because they they were setting off Matt Riddle, too. They were yeah. like, they were getting on Riddle's nerves about how they were like, yeah, we're, we're not bros. Stop telling us we're bros. So Riddle gets in between Randy and the Prophets saying, they did make a good point, and RK Bro does need opponents for WrestleMania. Riddle says it's the right thing to do. Again, we talked about, we're going to talk about this, so... We ended up getting a Montez Ford Matt Riddle match again. I, this was I wasn't crazy for this segment really. It was just kind of there. To me, it kind of went 
the the segment itself kind of went too long. It did. It really did. Like it was. I think it just it felt like it got drug out with this with the profits coming out. Well, the profits still could have came out, but it should have taken three times for that Montez and Angelo were saying that they want a title match for RK Bro to accept. It was interesting like, seeing the profits the play heels. Times, though, I can say that. Yeah, for sure. The first two times Randy was like, "Oh no, I no, it, you you can't just walk up and." say that you want a match, it should have said, it should have been, you can't ask, you can't just walk up and ask for a match, and then they say something that triggers Randy and Mm -hmm. Riddle. Yeah. Instead of, can't just walk up and, can't just walk up and, uh, ask for a match, can't walk up and ask for a match, and then trigger. Because even, because we talked about it too, the Profits have a point. They do now pretty much are in line. They pretty much are in line for a tag title match. Yeah. They pin them before they won the, the week before they won the tag titles, and again, it it makes sense with them getting the title match, them beating them before they even won the titles, and now they have the titles. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it makes sense to an extent. Like it's not like really that complicated to think of this. Like that makes sense. Yeah. But Randy, again, is just like, you beat me in a match, and that doesn't make, like, it's not make sense. You beat us in a match, it doesn't make sense why you would get the tag title match, but it does make sense, honestly. Yeah, they literally pinned you. If that if it wasn't the the trajectory of the match at all, or not, they still pinned you. Right? And again, like, Riddle was, like, all for it, it looked like, at first. Like, he was all down for it, and then he was trying to be like, bros, bros, and they're just like, no, we're not bros. And I'm just like... I kind of dig the Street Profits being heel. I was like, it's interesting to see them being heel, but I don't know what it was about this segment. I just wasn't feeling it too much. Yeah. Like, just kind of, it was just there to kind of just throw them into the tag title scene. Because then we got the, we got the Riddle and Montez Ford match, which again, it didn't really feel like it picked up a lot. There was something off about that match. It didn't, it didn't like get going. The two of them, the two of them I expected to have a good match, but it was like, there was something about it that just wasn't working. Like, they did, like, they couldn't pick it up. Well, I felt like they couldn't pick it up because they knew that the match was ending in a DQ. Yeah, because the, the Alpha Academy came out, we got a DQ finish, they beat the hell out of both teams. Mm-hmm. So, we're it's more than likely we're getting a triple threat, and it makes sense at this point. Like, we already have the SmackDown tag title scene, and that's got Boogs and Nakamura, and that makes sense that that's your, and that's your WrestleMania match. Like, I don't really know how much sense, like, I can't really say it makes sense, because it's still random as hell. Yeah. You know, but that's our SmackDown tag title match, and why not have a triple threat if we're going to have Raw tag titles? You have a team that rightfully, as in honest opinion, earned their shot by beating you guys before you won the titles... Like, when you were in contention for the titles, you guys lost. Yeah. Whether it was the right finish or not, you still lost. So, technically, they get the title match. But Alpha Academy being involved in it makes sense, too, because they're getting their rematch. Like, again, talk to tell the guy who would say all the time, well, there's no antiquated rematches. They're supposed to be following that. But you know what? I'm giving up fucking trying to even defend that anymore. It's, like, not even a thing anymore. 
I'll try, I'll try my damnedest to defend the brand split to the freaking end. Right now, even though I hate the brand split. Even though I've always hated the brand split, but I've come to terms where I've kind of gotten neutral with it now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm done trying to fight the non-antiquated rematch shit because it's just non-existent anymore. So, we got the DQ. Match was just like there. It just it needed to... It could... It, Felt like it could have been better because the two of them, you would think, would have an awesome match. But it's just like something was off about it the entire time. And maybe it's because it was they knew it was going to end in DQ. I don't know. It just it didn't pick up like that much. And it just was really nothing, honestly. The segment beforehand just was a thing. And that was it. Like, I wasn't crazy for it. So... The announcers paid tribute to Scott Hall. This was the beginning of the the video package that we saw, which we which we pretty much have debated. It's probably on the it was an on the fly video package because again, even that graphic had to have been on the fly. But again, this video package is amazing. Like WWE's video packages are just they always seem spot on every time. Yeah. So we then jump to the main event. Which is Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. First off, this match is awesome. Yeah. Hands down awesome. It's a great match. Yes. But it's like obvious who is going to win. Painfully. Yes. Like, this... this it, it, Again, it wouldn't have made sense if Seth had won. You don't have Kevin Owens for weeks. Talk shit about Texas... And call out Stone Cold and pretty much announce that he's going to be on the KO show and then just go, uh, maybe we should have Seth host the show. Especially because from what we've seen, it was talking about that they were going to have the KO show with Seth Rollins as the host. Like, that wouldn't have made any sense in the, like, the slightest, if you think about it. So, again, this match was awesome. And Kevin Owens got the pin clean with the stunner. So, Rollins is left at the end of the show just stunned. Like, he doesn't know what the hell to do now. And that's how the show went off the air. And then, so before we jump into SmackDown, we got random-ass news last night. So, well, before that, I want to bring up the fact that when... Excuse me. When Kevin Owens beat Rollins, mm-hmm. and he was walking up the ramp, Rollins was in the ring, and commentary kept saying, Seth Rollins' WrestleMania plans have been dashed. dashed. And that Rollins is living in a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And that his plans have gone up in smoke and mirrors. Yep. Immediately they start throwing references at the end. And then we get news that on, broke. on During SmackDown. Yeah, again. So Raw ends was just, again, mixed with the passing of Scott Hall. The show didn't really do it to match up with it at all. Yeah. It didn't help it to, like, try to, like, make you feel better, like, a little bit. It just, it made it worse. The show mixed with the sad, uh, the sad passing, it just, it was a bad Raw altogether. And again, we, we kind of expected this. We've had, what, 
three, maybe four weeks of good Raw, and now all of a sudden, like, there's no way in hell we're going to keep that streak going for as long, like, for that long. We've got to have, we've got to have a break in it somewhere. So, but again, Raw was just a letdown and had just a lot of just people not into it because of the, the Scott Hall stuff. And then the show just couldn't back it up to make it any better, so... So SmackDown jumps up just before the show. Like this was, I believe, during the show. Yeah, it was during the show. We get again. I'm, it's I'm, it's grain of salt shit. Yeah, because it, it, it's dirt from, sheets. Fuck it's, the rag it's sheets. Dirt sheets, and it's from good old Uncle Dave and Mike Johnson. So you could take those with a yeah, fucking again. Literally, like take the grain of salt and like slice it in half. That's how much you yeah, can. It's you can just, believe these. So, but it's it was reported during SmackDown. That Cody has been signed with WWE for the past 10 to 14 days. I just... So, I told you this last night. I I just just don't give a shit. I'm not... I don't like Cody. I really don't. Neither do I. I really don't. AEW killed any interest in Cody. So what makes me think I should have... Why should I immediately just hop on the bandwagon because he's coming back to WWE? The also other thing about it is just why does it make how does it make sense? It doesn't. It's it's so illogical. How does this man talk shit about WWE for three years? Pretty much. Oh, they didn't use me right. Uh, I gotta go on the indies and I gotta go to New Japan and I gotta do all this other stuff and go to Ring of Honor and Impact and show them how well I really am and then I'm gonna go start my own wrestling company and I'm gonna sit there and talk shit about them for three years but as soon as Tony Khan fucking backstabs me you know what? Hey Vince cue the fucking Creed with arms wide open Vince standing there with his arms open like come here Cody we'll welcome you back in what the fuck? (laughs) What sense does that make? I think the whole thing of Cody talking shit about WWE was literally just for him. It was like, he kept doing it so potentially WWE could look at him and be like, man, he means business. I, who, I I don't care about this. So this is mainly going to be, so more than likely, if this is legit, this is Seth Rollins' opponent. Yeah, he. they're going to give Cody the triumphant, gigantic, massive 80,000 fucking fan pop at WrestleMania. So, because I, I don't care what anybody says. He's not going to be at any of the Raws. So I have to be that guy Rollins and say is, this. Rollins is going to be completely just flabbergasted. Oh, I guess I'm just going to... He's going to pull a Cena. He's going to be, well, I guess I got to... Watch WrestleMania as a fan. He's going to buy a ticket. He's going to be fucking celebrating with the fans and shit. And then a random segment pops up where he's going to he's gonna hop into the ring. He's like, I'm tired of sitting here and watching something that I should do. And so it'll, then, be, a, so it'll and, be a partial thing like the NXT stuff. Where he jumped in the middle of the ring trying to call Triple H out. It'll be something like that where well, he's like... It, it'll be a mixture of that and the Cena thing where Cena bought a <laughs> ticket. Like he's going to buy a ticket... Be a fan. Then, during the show, at like a, a blank spot, he's going to be like, you know what, I'm fucking tired of this. And he hops the fucking guardrail. He's like, I'm tired of sitting here and watching 
watching a show that I should have been on and blah, 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 and he's talking, and then the lights go off, and you have the big triumphant fucking return of Cody, and everyone's going to pop, and I'm just going to be like, it's yeah, Cody. It's, it's, it's like, again, why should I care? I don't give a shit about Cody Rhodes. I really don't. AEW pretty much told me, pretty much gave me every reason to not give a shit about Cody. Yeah, I could, What makes I could me think less. that I should give a damn just because he's coming back to WWE? Because I honestly don't. I really don't. Yeah, I, I couldn't care less. I still think it doesn't make sense that this man can shit talk this company for freaking years and they'll just welcome him with arms open going, hey, he's, he's not with the competition anymore. Come back home, Cody. Like, no. Fuck out of here. And plus... When if this is legit, what makes me freaking have any reason to want to root for Cody to beat Seth Rollins? Please give me a fucking pure reason as to why I should care that Cody Rhodes should beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. If this doesn't tell, like, from if this, if that doesn't tell you hands down, I would rather Rollins win. I'd rather Cody show up at WrestleMania. People go crazy. They're like, Cody's going to win at WrestleMania because he's about to beat Rollins. Psych! Rollins beats him. And that would just be the greatest thing ever. I'd yeah, be like, how's that return? You know that's not going to happen. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people... I don't know how to feel about this. A lot of people are comparing the current speculations with Cody to when, um, to when Drew McIntyre left and came back. That he... <clears throat> that he left to show WWE that he was a main event caliber wrestler. But did Drew shit talk WWE for years? No. no. He pretty much told. That's the that's the only difference, is that Drew McIntyre didn't fucking shit on WWE every fucking chance. Pretty much got. from what everything that Cody said for years pretty much signified that he would never go back to WWE. Ever. And this man literally just walks, pretty much just wants to go back there because Tony Khan, like, Tony Khan had to have done something so fucked up that he pretty much had no option. Well, from what I've heard about Tony Khan recently, apparently with the uh, Denise Salcedo mm -hmm. interview with Joey Janela, apparently Joey Janela confirmed that Tony Khan just doesn't tell anybody that they're not extending their contract. He doesn't tell them. Well, Apparently, he Marco Stunt told him that he hasn't talked to Tony Khan in about four months. Uh, well, Tony fucking... Khan just doesn't contact him. That He doesn't call him up and be like, oh yeah, Marco, we, we don't have anything going up for you, so we're just not going to extend your contract. It's just going to run out. Well, that gives just, you a prime example about the Brian Cage situation, then. He just doesn't tell anybody. With the whole thing about him just renewing his contract for a year. Like, that's just Tony Khan just going, hey, I'm uh, not going to tell him this. I'm just going to renew it for him. Like, fuck is that shit? Like, it's so stupid. Like, that company is going to fuck itself. I'm, I can feel it already. AEW is going to fuck itself. Yeah. It, they're they're going to freaking end up going out. And it's going to suck. Like, it's going to be monumentally, like, bonkers. Imagine doing that with, like, Daniel Bryan 
or Brian Danielson. Like, imagine if his contract runs out, or is about to run out, and he goes, you know what? I think I want to go back for my final run, and I want to go back to WWE. Tony Khan's just not going to talk to him. He's just going to be like, eh, eh, fuck him. <laughs> He'd be fucking insane to not. I'll tell you that. That man would be out of his mind more than he already is if he just let Brian Danielson go like that and just said, I want to go back to WWE again and doesn't even put up a fight. Like, there's there's people like Marco Stunt, for instance. Like, was he really doing anything? Yeah, but to be fair, that is still so unprofessional. It is. It go, really is. To not even give your... F- your employees, the people you have signed under contract, you don't even give them a call or a heads up and be like, no, that's yeah, damn we- straight unprofessional. Like, you don't just fucking go, hey, we're not re-signing your con. You're not going to freaking redo, give you another contract. Like, the fuck is that shit? Like, you don't even call them up and give them a heads up. You're just like, eh, fuck it. Their contract runs out. Too bad. They go back fucking weeks later and finally show up and be like, hey, you got anything for me? Actually, you're not you're, even under contract. You're not even Why in this company here? anymore. Like, that is fucked up. And I, I think this whole Cody Rhodes thing, it really adds on to the, um, the narrative that with WWE, you can never say never. Yeah. To, to the people that you say he'll never come back, mm. you can't say that. Yeah, this, this this proves it right here. This is a prime example. Like, we we all pretty much speculated that there was no fucking way out of all these years that Cody would step foot in WWE ever again. And this man just goes, like I said, Tony Khan literally has is gonna push people away, and it's gonna fuck them. It's gonna fuck them. They're gonna they're they're gonna screw themselves. Yeah. Like, WCW did that same thing when they did that shit. Remember how they used to sign shit ton of people, but wouldn't do shit with anybody? Like, they fucked themselves by pretty much going, like, pretty much making themselves feel like you want to go there. And then in the end, you didn't want to be there. And I saw a tweet. I don't remember exactly who it was from. But they were saying that Cody, being the first... Uh, defaction from AEW to WWE. It, it puts a lot of pressure onto, actually, it puts a lot of pressure actually onto WWE to book him correctly, because if they don't book yeah. him correctly, a lot of the people in AEW are gonna be like, "Well, <laughs> Cody left and went to WWE, but he's being booked like shit. Why would I want to leave here? Why would I want to leave?" Yeah. So they're just gonna keep signing contracts or attempt to sign contracts with AEW more, and if they don't, they're just going to go to the indies. They're not going to be like, well, I guess I go to WWE where I'm going to be booked incorrectly. That's the, that's crazy. It's a, it's a double-edged sword big time. It puts a lot of pressure on WWE to book Cody well. Yeah. Enough like... to, to pleasure Cody, first of all. Mm-hmm. But to also prove to the people out there that just like, they're not completely incompetent. That's my thing. Do you realize how weird how weird this sounds just thinking of this right now? People have left WWE because their booking sucks. 
but then they leave and go to AEW and say, this is better for me. But they see people, but they're going to see if Cody ends up getting booked well and AEW ends up being the shithole that they are right now with their whole unprofessional bullshit with Tony Khan, like, they're going to want to go back to WWE. And it's like, what the hell are we doing here? We're literally playing hot potato with wrestlers. That's fucking bizarre. Like, that's a weird thing to think of. And I know we're on a tirade right now. Well, this isn't really a tirade. This is just talking at this point. But a lot of people are making the the assumption that Jericho with this current character is basically just giving people a heads up that, that he's, he's leaving? probably leaving. That's just so crazy to think of, though. People are making the assumption that Jericho with this current char- character are making an assumption that once his contract with AEW is up, He's going to WWE for his final little run before he's inducted. This is just... It's so crazy to think of, though. WWE apparently books people wrong. (coughs) WWE apparently books people wrong, but they go to AEW, but then AEW does something that they fuck up, and they see WWE actually booking people right, and then they want to go back. Like, it's so weird to look at that. Yeah, and that's the thing. They say that they get booked terribly in WWE and then they go to AEW and they're not booked any differently. Yeah. It's prime like... examples. Sean Spears, Andrade, Miro, mm-hmm. Ruby. Mm-hmm. You you can name half of these people so far that have gone to AEW and they're just their run in AEW is equally comparable, I mean, if not worse, to their WWE. Malachi run. Black's another one. Think about it. He was, think of his NXT run and what he could have done on the main roster and what they were about to do with him on the main roster and where that could have went. Like, I love the House of Black. Do not get me wrong. I love the House of Black. But can you really compare what he's done right now and what he did with Cody to what he did in NXT and what he was about to do on the main roster? Yeah. Like... There's no comparison there. The main roster was gonna do hit was gonna do that so well, and we got the freaking rug swept out from under us and himself before we even got a chance to see what could have happened, and that sucks. But like, I still compare the two of the those two things, and I look at it and I go, the Cody stuff was bad. The Cody stuff is bad. Yeah, the Cody stuff is awful. Yeah, and the, this House of Black stuff is really making up for it. But it's it's still hard to just completely forget about the seemingly never ending Cody feud. Yeah, like if you think just about randomly it, randomly interjected Pack and Andrade into. If you think about it, his his both his WWE and his AEW stuff are vice versa. His AEW stuff started off terrible, and now it's getting better. His WWE stuff it was really good to start with in NXT. And then it hit the main roster and it was just kind of nothing. And it was about to try to be something interesting. And then it got ended. Like, it was like, I, I still would say his WWE stuff is still better. Like, I like I love the House of Black stuff and I can't wait to see what's going to come out of it. But if it's just to form a faction and nothing actually happens out of it, like, might be a disappointment in the end. Yeah. So... Again, we're more than likely at this point, if the if the huge rumor is true, and again, 
I don't give, I don't listen to the dirt sheets. I don't believe the dirt sheets. That's why they're all blocked on my timeline because I don't care. But again, I get all this shit spoiled to me because everybody on my timeline has to see that stuff and they got to quote tweet it and put pictures up and talk about it and all this shit like that. Yeah, and just just because I read reports, that doesn't mean I believe it. Yeah, I don't either. I read it and I'm like, I don't sure, either. Sure, if that happens, cool. If it doesn't, exactly. Okay. Until that man steps foot down a ramp, like out of a out of gorilla position at any freaking show, whether it be Raw, whether it be SmackDown, whether it be WrestleMania, I don't believe it till I see it. That is it. Now the, the real question is. If it does happen, do you think he's actually going to use his WWE or his WWE theme or his AEW theme? I, I think he goes back to his WWE theme. I don't see... Because if you think about it, his AEW theme, his kingdom theme is literally just a direct shot at WWE the entire time. Yeah. That's all it is. So, he's probably going to go back to the last version of Smoke and Mirrors he has. More than likely. Unless he's having... A new theme Unless made. Def Rebel makes another new theme. Or he, he just doesn't... Downstate makes yeah, his Downstate theme, made so. his theme. So yeah. he could just contact Downstate and be like, yeah, can you can you make me a new theme? I'm heading back to WWE. I mean, they make fantastic theme songs. Yeah. And I am all for them making him a theme song for him going back. He doesn't have to resort to smoke and mirrors because if I look at that... This Cody's not going to be the dashing one. It doesn't fit to have him come out to smoke and mirrors the entire time. You could make the references all you want, but this isn't smoke and mirrors Cody. Hands down. Like, he's going to need a different theme as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, again, it, it just doesn't really intrigue me at all. I don't give a shit about Cody. Whether he shows up or not... Like, even if he does, I, I, good, he's back. Okay, there you go, but that's about all I give a shit. It's gonna, it's gonna take a lot for us to give a shit. Yeah. After watching just every, the, all the years of AEW. Everything constantly in AEW was just make, Co- make Cody look good, make Cody mm-hmm. look good, feel bad for Cody. Yeah. Cody wins every feud in the end. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's gonna take a lot. Yeah, it's, it's gonna, need it's gonna be it's gonna need something special to 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 switch that to switch again yeah because again even the punk stuff like with punk same thing i don't give a shit about cm punk normally but the, the stuff with mjf got me interested got me got me intrigued a lot but now it's just like what do you do with punk now at this point he actually hasn't been on tv the past two yeah weeks. and i'm telling you that man's going for the world title in no time they're just keeping him off to not even do it. And I'm telling you, after this Adam Cole and Hangman Page stuff, he's going to come out and he's going to challenge Hangman. And more than likely, he's taking that title. I will not... Probably. I, I There's no ifs, ands, buts, or maybes. I, I swear that man's taking the title. So, now let's get back on track here. Now that we've branched off to something different, let's come back on the road here. Get back on our road here. Let's start SmackDown. Yes, so... SmackDown again showed the Scott Hall stuff at the beginning. It showed the 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 graphic again. Again, it's just it's it's still crazy to think he's gone. Yeah, it's so sad. And then follows up with again the MSG stuff. Stop showing 
the MSG stuff. Like, you you cannot get me to care. I just don't. Like, they've done, again, they've done some things here and there, including what starts this show. They've done things in here that's amazing and crazy. Like, during this feud. But I just don't care. I just do not care. The fact that you're unifying the titles, and then there was all that talk about they're going to unify the titles, but then take them apart. Again, what's the point of unifying them then? If you're just going to put them together and then take them apart somehow. Yeah. What's the point? Why are we having a unification match? It doesn't need to happen. Hands down. The WWE title should have been left to whatever the hell it was going to do at the time. The w, Whatever was going to happen, again, I said this during our one episode, whatever was going to happen with the WWE title would have been more interesting than just not having it involved in anything and just going, hey, put it on Brock. We'll, we'll, we'll unify the titles. How about that? No. Whatever the hell was going to happen at that time would have been a hell of a lot more interesting than us just merging titles and taking a title away from a brand. And I, I don't want to be that guy to, like, uber fantasy book and, like, do, like, what-if possibility type things. But if they never took the belt off of Big E, he would probably still be WWE champion going into WrestleMania. And then he would defend his title at WrestleMania instead of being at home with a broken neck. I will tell you this hands down. If you wanted, if if this is the one, again, this would have gone completely against the brand split in every way. But I'll tell you this. You wanted an interesting match for Big E at WrestleMania? You have a New Day triple threat. I don't care. Brotherly fucking battle. It doesn't have to be anybody turning on anybody. The three of them having a match at WrestleMania. Kofi literally sitting there looking at Big E and just going like, these are my brothers. I love these guys so much. And just the thought of possibly... But Kofi still having the thought of, damn, I wouldn't mind having that WWE title again. And Woods having King of the Ring, but still looking at it and going, I'm the only one in the in the New Day who has not won the WWE title yet. A possibility on WrestleMania to win the WWE title. Like, you cannot tell me that the three of them would not have had a fucking intriguing story leading into WrestleMania. It would have been a hell of a fucking match. Again, if you can have a S.H.I.E.L.D. triple threat, you can have a New Day triple threat. And it doesn't have to be anybody breaking up. It's a brotherly battle. But the stakes are still there because the WWE title's on the line. It's Kofi wanting to to, to hold gold again. It's Big E wanting to defend it. But he's got to go through his brothers. And Woods, who's now accomplished his king of the ring dream and wants and could actually have a chance to to raise a singles championship himself that story intrigues everything then giving then taking the title off of off of biggie giving it to brock lesnar so you can go down this path 
to a unification match. Like, this is this is a tirade. This is the bell right here. <laughs> hands down. So, we kick off the show. We're going to get a damn bell. We are going to get a damn bell, and it's going to ring a lot. So, we kicked off the show. We seen, again, Pat McAfee back on commentary. Thank God. I thought something bad was going to happen after the whole Austin Theory situation. But again, luckily we ain't losing Pat on commentary. Thank God. Yeah. So we went to the ring. The bloodline came out. So we were going to get the face-to-face. The the confrontation, as they said it was going to be. Again, because this is literally all Roman Brock have done. Is confront each other. The entire time. Not Roman wrestling once on SmackDown, nothing. Just, they just come out, pick up a microphone, and talk to each other. And then it turns into a brawl. Like, do do they do anything else? So out came the bloodline. They did their whole entrance completely. We We heard that Pat is advised to stay away from Austin Theory. That the two of them cannot get physical again. And that Pat should apologize to Austin Theory. Of course, Pat was in that he wasn't going to do it. So, Reigns grabbed the mic. He did his whole acknowledge me thing. He told Charlotte, because we were in Charlotte again. So, he told them to acknowledge him. Reigns says he gets to see Lesnar tonight for the first time since he smashed him at MSG and made him bleed all over New York City. Reigns threatens to make Lesnar bleed all over Charlotte tonight. Heyman apologizes for interrupting Reigns and reveals that Lesnar's plane ran into bad weather in Saskatchewan and the flight was grounded. Heyman says Lesnar will not be here tonight. Fans booed. Heyman went on praising Reigns and hyping him as Reigns takes the mic back. Fans were chanting, we want Lesnar. Louder. Like, they got louder and louder. Rain says he understands he fulfills his obligations and wants Lesnar here as well because he was about to smash Lesnar. Rain says, let's not blame the weather and the private jet. That's a business decision. And Lesnar's just scared, as he should be. Reigns points to his shirt and says he's in God mode. That shirt is fucking awesome. Like, I want that shirt very badly. He also says, and there's not a man who can touch him. Heyman's trying to say something, but Reigns tells him enough. Don't interrupt. Reigns says, fans paid to see him and want to hear what he has to say. Some fans were booing, some were cheering. Heyman shows Reigns his phone and shows that Lesnar landed in Charlotte. And he's on his way to the arena. So immediately I say this. The hell was the point of the flight not be of saying the flight was canceled? And he wasn't going to make it if 20 (laughs) seconds later he was going to be here. Like, if it was to throw him off, it doesn't work. Like, come on. Either he was going to be here or he wasn't. It was just like, it it felt pointless to even say that stuff. I was like, why? What was the point of that? So, Reigns and Heyman started arguing. Heyman's throwing a fit, asking, what's he going to do? Reigns says he knows what he's going to do, but Heyman can wrap this segment up himself, and then Reigns just 
passed the mic to Heyman, and him and the Usos left, and then Heyman immediately follows right after them. I'm thinking, oh God, Lesnar's going to come through the crowd, he's going to lay out Paul Heyman, like, holy shit, that would have been hysterical to watch. But then Reigns gets the stuff and just uh, everything and just leaves with the Usos and Heyman, and I'm like, you even said it too, you're like, so now Reigns is just terrified of Lesnar now all of a sudden? Like, Yeah, he's so scared to go up face to face with him. So, so Michael Cole and Pat McAfee went over the show. The camera cut backstage, and we see the bloodline. They're going towards a, a black SUV, getting ready to leave. Jey Uso got in the driver's seat. Jimmy got in the front seat with him. Heyman got in the one passenger side, and the passenger on the right passenger side. Reigns goes to the side of the SUV and opens the door, and all of a sudden we hear a horn, like. What the hell's about to happen here? So we hear a horn, and Roman goes, you can clearly see him mouth, what the fuck? You see him mouth it, and he hops in the car. The camera cuts, and all we see is Brock Lesnar in a fucking forklift, and he spears the windows with the forklift, and immediately the show cuts to a commercial. The first thing... I scream is, you're going to go to a commercial on that fucking moment. What the hell is that? So, we went to a commercial. We come back from the commercial. We see, we see the, we see what happens, the forklift going through the windows again. We then see from a different angle is the Usos ducked down they're trying to like make sure there's no glass in their eyes. Roman's ducked down. Brock's sitting in the forklift, honking the horn the entire time. They finally get out of the SUV. Brock picks the SUV up, pushes it forward a little bit, tips the forks down, tips the thing the SUV over on its side, proceeds to slam into it and push it away. The Usos and Roman literally do a full circle where they just go straight around to a truck that is parked behind the forklift. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? This is fucking insane. So Brock's just toying with the freaking SUV. He finally jumps out of the forklift. He turns over, sees the, he sees the truck. He sees the truck right behind him. He runs full speed at the truck, rips the door open, he just flings the door open, he rips the other door open, they start pulling away, the door catches Lesnar and literally breaks off. (laughs) Brock proceeds to reach down, pick up the door, and just throw it. Like, (laughs) he loses his hat, he does his fucking pterodactyl screech like he does, picks up his hat, and I'm like, Oh my God, Brock, out of all the things you could have done right now, you were like, can't forget my hat right now for a second here, and brushes it off, puts it back on his head, and then proceeds to walk over and pick up the door, and starts walking away with the door, and I'm like, you might have gotten away, but I got a souvenir, and I'm like, okay, Brock, what the hell is this? This is prize. This is fucking hysterical now. This went from what the hell's happening to holy shit with the forklift to this is hysterical because Brock has now got a trophy 
of a door that he just ripped off using his own body. <laughs> what the hell? So, Lesnar comes out to the ring with the door. He's still got the door. I am sitting here dying, trying not to fall out of my seat laughing so hard. This man comes out with the door. I don't know why he did this. He usually, when he does his pyro and he does his taunt thing, he throws the door down. His pyro goes off. He starts walking to the ring, but then he's like, walks back and picks up the door again. He's like, I forgot my door. I'm like, why? I'm like, so why'd you throw it down then? What is happening? So he just picks it up, does his walk around the ring. He gets around to like the hard cam area, throws the door in the ring, hops into the ring, stomps on the door. I'm like, can we just keep this Brock Lesnar forever? Can we never go back to any different Brock Lesnar ever again? Can we just have this? Yeah, really. Ne never bring Paul Heyman back to him. Nothing. Even if Reigns ever gets rid of Paul Heyman, just never put Paul Heyman back with Brock Lesnar. You leave this Brock Lesnar forever. Because this is the most enjoyable, Hilarious. the most enjoyable Brock Lesnar I've ever witnessed in my life. This is amazing. So, crowd is losing their shit. They, they are loving Brock Lesnar right now. So, Lesnar picks up the mic. He, he grabbed a mic, stomping on the door a few times. So he asked the crowd to excuse him because he's a little riled up. I was like, way to cool that down all of a sudden. You're like, I just ripped off a door with my body. I just tried to kill these guys with a forklift. Hey, don't worry. I'm good. Let me just settle down here a little bit. Just a little round up. Yeah. So Lesnar says Reigns has done unleashed a bipolar beast. Lesnar says Reigns can run and hide, but in two weeks at WrestleMania, Lesnar's going to do more than blow the doors off him. Of course, he had to make a pun because doors. Lesnar yells out and says he's coming for blood and Reigns best be prepared. Lesnar says he'll see Reigns in two weeks. He then drops the mic, put his cowboy hat back on because he'd taken it off. He marched out of the ring, but stopped to smile at the crowd and then raised his hat at them. Again, I don't give a shit about their match at WrestleMania. But I love this segment, and I want this Brock Lesnar forever. Yeah, this was so entertaining. Yes. I, again, it doesn't give me a reason to give a shit about their unification match at WrestleMania, but I love this Brock Lesnar. Can we keep him, please? <laughs> the way you said that sounded like a little kid. Mommy, can we keep this I'm Brock serious. Lesnar? Can we keep him, please? Do not ever get rid of this Brock Lesnar for anything. I don't care what it is. Never get rid of this Brock Lesnar. Ever. So, we saw what happened last week with the Usos and then Boogs and Nakamura. Where, and then we got a Boogs and Nakamura versus Los Lotharios match. So, first off, we still think, we said this too, this whole Boogs and Nakamura versus Usos thing at WrestleMania is still so random. Yeah. So random. How did you go from, what the hell spawned the Usos all of a sudden attacking boogs and nakamura like what just randomly attacked them one week and now we got a match like 
so random. It's such a random match. Like, is it probably going to be good? It has the opportunity to be. But, like, it's still random as hell. Yeah, the, the Usos literally attacked them for zero reason whatsoever. Like, they're just like, they're playing a song, Nakamura comes out, and the Usos are just like, you know what? I fucking hate these guys. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking hate these guys. Let's let's beat the shit out of them. Like, if it's trying to play off the fact that with the whole Nakamura rain stuff that they never freaking continued whatsoever, if they try, if they're trying to play off that a little bit, okay, I can kind of understand it a little bit now. But like it, it's still ra- if it's not, then it's ran. It's just random as hell. Yeah, this whole match is just random as hell. I still think it'll be okay, but it's random as shit. So we get this Nakamura Boogs and Los Lotharios match. Of course, we went to a commercial, and then we came back from the commercial, and Los Lotharios came out, and they did the fucking kiss cam again, and just. Listen, I am happy that Garza and Humberto are a tag team, being that they're family members. But, like, my God, is this not, like, at all intriguing anymore? Yeah, like, I, I get it. The, the pairing the pairing is fun. Sure. But... <laughs> they're... Uh, they're... Attractive, sure. <laughs> but, that doesn't mean you have to pull a plant, <laughs> put them in the crowd, and have the two of them kiss their cheek, and then just have the woman be like, all smiley and fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I got kissed by two attractive Latinos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like so smitten and dumbfounded. Like, oh, I just got kissed on the cheek. The two of, like, listen, I am fine with the two of them as a tag team. But, like, what are we doing with them? Like... Are they literally just the other team on this roster? We don't have anybody else to face these guys. Let's just use Los Lotharios. Sure, that works. Like, first off, also, Humberto needs to lay off the spray tan. Because he was looking extra orange tonight. He was bronze. Like, he was looking like he was like, he got carried away with that shit. Like, the, the color... When the light was dim, like, dimmed down, and it looked like he was, like, just soaked in that shit. He <laughs> looked like he just dipped his chest in a bucket of it, and that was all he got of it, because it was all just added on his chest area, and that was it. And I was like, he did that so uneven, and I hate it. Like, he needs to just lay off that now. It looks bad. Like, And then the other thing that you kept bringing it up during the match. It, it sounded like Michael Cole kept calling Umberto Berto. Yeah, I, he didn't put the um or the whom in there. He was just calling him Berto the entire time. I swear, 
That's all he kept calling him. Because even you heard it that one time where he was like, and a kick out by Berto. And I was like, the fuck is he calling him Berto for? What the hell is that? Is it, it's probably just going to be one of those situations where fucking Michael Cole keeps calling Shinsuke Nakamura Shin. I hate when he fucking calls him Shin. He needs to stop calling him Shin. Just, the thing I didn't like, the one thing I hate about this, ma- this match mostly is... Why is it? It clearly tells me hands down that Boogs is more important to you guys than Shinsuke. Yeah. The fact that he literally he literally comes in and hits two moves, and they win the match. Like, you clearly have more interest in Boogs than Nakamura. But like, I I, I can't stand that. Like the main focus is supposed to be Shinsuke. the The second half is supposed to be Boogs, not the opposite way around. Boogs is the big cast of the team. It's just, I, I'm not crazy for this. Like, I like the two of them as, like, together, but I don't like the fact that Shinsuke is the second, like, the, the afterthought here. Boogs is the main attraction. Like, at that point, just split them up then, and then you could focus on Boogs, but then you could also focus on Nakamura instead of being like, well... We look at this tag team, and the only person that we like here is that well, guy. You know for damn sure, if they broke up Boogs and Nakamura, Nakamura is just going to... He's, he's not going to do anything. It's just... It, it sucks seeing Shinsuke be the secondary part of this team. When he's supposed to be the first part. Like, having him be the guy who's got to be the hot tag... Who's got to make the hot tag, and Boogs has got to be the hot tag. Like, it's supposed to be the opposite way around. Yeah. Like... Not crazy for that, like, but again, it's just, we knew they weren't going to lose with them being the, the SmackDown tag titles, like, the with being in that scene and being the challengers, there's no way in hell they were losing this match, so. We then see Jinder and Shanky and Madcap Moss and Baron Corbin when they attacked McIntyre last week after they took out the Viking Raiders. And then Drew overcame all the odds. We then got the tag match that we weren't that we didn't get last week. Well, sort of. Well, mixed up with opposite ways here. It went from pretty much Corbin was gonna wrestle with Madcap and Jinder last week. Now all of a sudden it was Baron Corbin wrestling with Jinder and Shanky. Like you cannot get me to give a damn about this. No matter what the hell you do. Like, yeah, no. I, I don't care. Corbin is like... This is one of those situations where... I Again, I'm always 50-50 when it comes to Corbin. He has his moments where I like him. And he has his moments where I cannot stand him. And this is one of those moments where I still cannot stand him. His, this happy Corbin shit is, is so like unintriguing it's just boring like this feud has been going on way too long yeah and the fact that we have to drag this out till mania makes it worse yeah and literally like corbin and them have not done shit this has been so one-sided it's been all drew every time drew like Drew doesn't lose anything. 
Like, if you're, like, just put him in the title picture already. Why are we, like, you did it enough to keep him out of the title picture, but now at this point you've had him win so much, just put him back in the title picture at this point. Like, there's nothing for, like, there's nothing in, of any intrigue for this feud. Nothing. Yeah. Corbin's not, is, is not interesting anymore. Or at all, I should say. Madcap Moss is just there. Like, he's not funny. Like, he's, I'll give him this. He's not a bad wrestler. He's pretty good when it when he wants to be. But other than that, I just don't care. And I don't give two shits about Jinder and Shanky. <laughs> at all. Shanky is so fucking disproportionate. Why are his arms so long? They are ridiculously long. He is fucking Elastigirl if he was a guy. Like, it's ridiculous. His arms are so long, that man can touch his toes without bending. <laughs> I'm serious. That man's arms are ridiculously long. Like, ridiculously long. Compared Shanky to Stretch Armstrong. He is! He's fucking Stretch Armstrong! <laughs> That's what there's there's a title of our episode, Shank Armstrong. That's what it's gonna be. That's what That's that's the name of the episode. That is the name of the episode. Like just I I cannot wait till WrestleMania to get this shit over with. Yeah. This shit needs to end. It's it's not interesting because even if you think about it, friggin' Madcap at the beginning of this whole thing had to do the whole he he did a joke that was like dissing Baron Corbin that like if what what's happy talk if everybody falls asleep nappy talk and I'm just like just stop even Baron Corbin is like bro what the fuck <laughs> you're, you're my joker pretty much like who cares like just get this over with already get to mania get this shit over with or end it before we even get to mania fucking pull the match off the WrestleMania card and put it on the SmackDown before Mania. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Get rid of this nonsense. So, we then saw Ricochet retaining over Sami Zayn last week. Again, another really good match between the two of them. The two of them have fantastic chemistry together. They're amazing. So, Sami's backstage. He says, he should be standing there with his title. But he's not because of one person, Johnny Knoxville. He goes on about how Knoxville's gotten under his skin and ruined his life with juvenile tricks. Sammy says he'll now show Knoxville what it truly means to step into his world. Sammy says if Knoxville has the balls, let's make the WrestleMania match anything goes. So now, I immediately, if we'll just jump to it now, Johnny Knoxville answers this this challenge here and i just was like why am i not like surprised that johnny knoxville would be all for this like the two of them i cannot wait to see what the two of them are gonna do hands down first off he called him schnookums at the end (laughs) which i laughed my ass off this man keeps freely calling Sami Zayn schnookums. <laughs> like, it's hysterical. And can you imagine what fucking bumps Johnny Knoxville is going to take in this match? He's going to take a bump off the stage. He's going to go off the stage, and it might even be up on the top of the stage. We talk about, we always talk about Kevin Owens jumping off the set. I think Johnny Knoxville is going to fall off the set. 
God. He's gonna fall off the set. He's gonna take some fucking uber, like, atomic bump. He might even let the pyro... He might even fall through the stage and the pyro explodes. And he'll probably just sit there laughing the entire time while Sammy... If Sammy beats him at that point. Or he'd be the psychopath to kick out of it after taking an uber dive off the stage... Off the set through the stage and pyro exploding. And he'll probably be like, oh, I kicked out it too. And I'll be like, excuse you, Johnny Knoxville. Excuse you. <laughs> so, we go to... Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. Really good match. Yeah, this match was very good. Really good match that ends in a no contest. Thanks to Shayna Baszler and Natalia. So, later on we see that Natalia and Shayna Baszler got added to the WrestleMania match. So now we have a fatal four-way at WrestleMania. Why? Didn't Shayna and Natalia just lose last week? Yeah. Why <laughs> are they in this match? Yup. Why? Because. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. At all. Listen, I don't mind the team of Natty and Shayna, but why? They didn't do anything. They lost... They literally had the opportunity. They their match they lost last week, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, was literally if they won the match, they would be added to the match originally. No, it, it didn't have that. I thought it was. No, that was the living Ray. Yeah, match. but I thought on SmackDown, there's the two of them had the same match. No. Well, still, they lost. It didn't. They haven't been seen on TV in weeks. Then all of a sudden, now they're a team again, and now they're just inserted in there because we took out the two challenger teams. Just lame. Insanely lame, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Insanely lame. I do want to shortly bring up a spot in the match that I've seen a bunch of times now in regular one-on-one... or team versus team tag matches. Mm -hmm. And it's the Tower of Doom spot. We see those a lot in tag matches. And yeah, how but you see them a lot in multiple team matches. Yeah. The fact that they've been doing it more in just team versus team tag matches mm -hmm. annoys me. <laughs> because it is so illogical for one person to go up or both person on a team to go up, put the person up on the turnbuckle, go for a superplex, and have the other person run in to do the Tower of Doom spot. You are basically mega superplexing your tag team partner for no reason. You pretty much are assisting the opposing team while do of doing the move. I get it if it's multiple people. Like if it's a like if they do it at WrestleMania, it's like mm -hmm. you have Natalia at the top, and then you have Naomi on one side and Rey on one side, and then you have like Sasha underneath Shayna, and then Rey underneath Naomi, mm -hmm. and they both they both pull them down. Yeah. I get if it's like that, 
But during the, the match, it was Sasha and Naomi going for a double superplex on Rhea Ripley. Liv Morgan runs underneath and powerbombs the both of them, making them superplex, super superplex Rhea. Like, the Tower of Doom spot looks good. But it's ridiculous when you're pretty much just beating up, you're pretty much assisting the opposing team to beat up your partner. Like, it doesn't make sense. You're pretty much helping them weaken your partner. Yeah, it makes sense if it's like, it makes sense if the correct person is underneath. And that yeah. never is, that can never be a thing if it's just a team versus a team match. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. Like, and again, Car- Carmella and Zelina Vega were at ringside. I just didn't care. Even Michael Cole brought up the fact that all Carmella's doing is focusing on her wedding day and flirting with her with her with her fiance. Like, just it, it, again, it's obvious they're losing the titles. It's just now at this point, who's taking them? Like, there's no solid, like, clear winner here. It's just you know the titles are changing hands, and for, that's it. For me, it's either Liv and Rhea or it's Naomi and Sasha. Yeah, I don't. I don't see Natty and Shayna taking this. Yeah, no. they're, they're just in this match because random fucking reasons that they didn't need to be in this match and honestly didn't earn their right to be in this match. This, this match is basically just, hey, look, we have teams. Look at them. Yeah, now we have look teams. At, look at our teams. Look yes. at them all. Uh, again, I'm tired of trying to defend those titles. Trying to get, I'm tired of trying to give them a pass. Yeah. I really am. So we got the no contest. We got them getting added to the match. Again, we got the video message from Johnny Knoxville accepting Sami Zayn's match. So again, it's going to be an anything goes match. Cannot wait to see what that shit's going to be like. So we went back to Michael Cole and Pat McAfee, where Michael Cole said to Pat McAfee that he's being summoned to Mr. McMahon's office. Pretty much, perhaps, to apologize. So McAfee doesn't believe it at first, but Cole tells him that Mr. McMahon wants to see him now. So Pat took his headset off, and he went from the table, and we went to a commercial. So we came back from the commercial. That was when we got the announcement for of Natty and Shayna being added to the match. We then went back to Michael Cole, who was alone at the announce table. We then got the replay of... What happened between Pat and Austin Theory where Pat jumps over the table, beats up Austin. So we see Pat come out of Vince's office and he looks disgusted. Just a little bit. So he comes through, he heads out towards the ring. So Pat got in the ring and he picked up a mic and he recalls how when he was younger, he turned to some no-name network, the USA Network, And he saw something that changed his life. He says, pro wrestling changed his life immediately. It was special, magical. It shook him forever. On that Monday night, when all hell was breaking loose, he found a thing that he thought he was put on earth to do. Some fans are giving McAfee the what chance, which go fuck yourselves, guys. I don't know why you're whatting Pat McAfee. Yeah. Fucking idiots. Other professions got in the way, but finally, after retiring from the NFL, Pat said he got a call from the greatest of all time, Michael Cole. 
who invited him to come work on SmackDown. He gave Cole a hell yeah in response. McAfee goes on about how he dreamed about getting to WWE, but the music then all of a sudden plays and out comes Austin Theory again. Now, the two of them were told that they couldn't touch each other. So, like, Pat could, um, I'm, I believe it was more mainly towards Pat, that he couldn't get physical with Austin at yeah. all. So, McAfee says in the office that he just left, it was suggested that he apologize to Theory or lose his dream job and his WrestleMania 38 match. Theory mocked McAfee in his face. McAfee begins to apologize, but he keeps stopping. Theory kept telling him to finish. He finally said that he's sorry, that he's sorry for beating Theory's ass last week. Sorry Theory's parents raised a douchebag. Sorry he made Theory's filter face ass relevant. Sorry that Theory is a punk bitch. I still love when he did that the first time Theory smacks him and he jumps up on the table and he goes, You get back over here, you little bitch. And I'm like, just fucking go get him, Pat. Just go get him at this point. So fans are going crazy. Theory and McAfee face off. Theory stopped. He picked up his phone, took a selfie, which I saw the selfie. It's literally just Pat looking pissed, wanting to punch him in the face again. Theory's just looking at the phone, smiling like a weirdo. So he takes the selfie, and then Theory pretty much accepts his apology and then shoves him. And then Pat went to go get him again. But Austin walks off. So again, I, I can't wait to see this match. This is a match that even though it's like, it, it's like, what the hell? Like, you're you're really excited for Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. You're damn right I'm excited for Pat McAfee and Austin Theory. <laughs> the two of them are fucking great. I can't wait to see the two of them. You know, it's Austin Theory who's, as much as, a lot of people don't like him. I'm not that person. I'm not one of those people. I love Austin Theory. The kid is great. He's really fucking good. And Pat, ask Bishop. He calls him a two-time Hall of Famer for a reason. If it's the, it's not just the wrestling, it's the commentary. Yeah. He's a two-time Hall of Famer. He's Ridge Holland's twin brother in a nutshell. He literally looks like Ridge Holland. <laughs> He also kind of looks like Austin Theory a little bit. So, Austin Theory's kind of got a twin in his own right here. So, again, I cannot wait to see the two of them. I cannot wait to see the two of them. So then we got... We saw what happened with Brock and the Bloodline again. And then we went back to the ring and we saw Kofi coming out. Because he was about to have a match at Ridge Holland. So Michael Cole, they even showed what happened to Biggie, the the broken neck. And then they showed the videos of him in the hospital bed about how he says he still has feeling in his digits. And they showed the other videos of him walking along and all this other stuff and all the other stuff that he's put up right now. And it's just for a shitty situation that he's in, he is making, he's just like smiling away. And it's amazing that he's got that much positivity to himself. Yeah. This man broke his neck and he's just, hey, I'm Big E. I'm happy. Like, anyway, it's like I'm still up moving right. It's like, good on Big E, for God's sake. Man's in a shitty situation with a broken neck and he's just like, 
Yeah, I'll make the most of it. Why not? What the hell? So, Kofi and Ridge Holland is what happens here. And again, like, I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it, really. The more, you may disagree when I say this, the more I see Ridge Holland, the more that I see that he, his call-up was way too soon. I do agree with you there. I really do agree with you there. Like, this he, match with Kofi, he seemed really, he was, I, I don't know how to describe, he was like fumbling all over the place. He's, he's definitely not ready for this. No. He's not ready for, to be in this situation yet. The main roster was too soon for him. Way too soon. Yeah. He needs to go back down. I'm sorry. He needs to be back in 2.0. It would make more sense at this point than having him be up here and the possibility of something else bad happening. Like, his matches, honestly, have not been interesting. And it sucks. Like, we were all interested when he was going to be in Pat McAfee's stable in NXT originally. But then he got injured. So we didn't really get much. But of course, I still think of the Johnny Gargano incident. Where he didn't fully rotate Johnny over in the power slam and dropped him on his neck. And now this. So this this is really getting concerning here. Because now that's two incredibly terrifying neck-related things with Ridge Holland. I almost want to say... WWE needs to kind of pay attention to this. Yeah. And make that and put it as a strike system at this point. That's two neck injury like esque things right now that involved Ridge Holland. He needs to go back before something happens again. Because if something else happens, like if say if it happens to Kofi, can you imagine if all three of the New Day are out? And two of them are with a neck injury. Yeah. That would be horrifying. Like, Ridge needs to go back down to NXT 2.0 and he needs to work on it. Yeah. The more I see Ridge, the more I notice that he's just... he get, He's out of place most of the time. He's He stumbles way too much. Like, when Kofi was doing his, his comeback mm-hmm. with the, the chops and the clothesline... Yeah. He, he did the chops, and then he, when he went off the ropes, Ridge was, like, all, like, fumbling all over the place to get into position yeah. for the clothesline. He, he he needs more work still. This, him on the main roster is, it's way too soon, and it's really concerning now. Yeah. So, Ridge got the win, but, like, it's just, I... The, the ending of this match was so overbooked. It was. It really was. We had Butch go up onto the apron. Sheamus pulls Kofi out. He hits him. He rolls Kofi back in. The ref realized, or no, Butch goes up onto the top. Remember, because Kofi goes, was on the top. Yeah, and then... Kofi's on the top. Butch goes up on the apron. Because Sheamus pushes him off. No, Pete pushed him off. Sheamus was distracting the ref, but the ref turned around at the last minute, and you can't tell me he didn't see that push. He did not. He, you cannot tell me he didn't. 
he played it up like he didn't see that push, but he clearly looked over and saw him go and push him. Well, off. yeah, he he had to have seen it because he then he kicks the both he kicks both Sheamus and Butch out, mm-hmm. and then Butch is freaking out. So Butch tries to get back, in, or he gets he tries to get into the ring. Sheamus grabs him and starts walking away. Mm-hmm. Butch then gets out of Sheamus's grasp. Runs back to the ring, slides in, Sheamus grabs him again, Kofi gets distracted by Butch, and then Rich Holland hits his finisher and wins. It's, it was way too much, the match really wasn't that interesting to begin with, and Ridge Holland needs work, and that's the gist of what I can say about this whole thing. So, in the end... Sheamus and and Pete Dunn and Rich Holland stood tall and that was the end of it. Like So Michael Cole sends us to a the video package of what happened between Ronda and Charlotte. We went back to the ring and out came Charlotte. Now, if you remember what Charlotte said that by the end of the night she was going to last week she was going to have Ronda tapping out. She didn't. She did not do no such thing whatsoever. Yeah, no. So, already, she's full of shit. So, she makes her way to the ring in her usual fucking android formation. You know, slow as shit, boring as hell, fucking automated freaking voicemail, like, message that, like, voice that she has, like... Not to mention getting booed in her hometown. Yeah. She's, I don't really even want to go full into this because I really just don't care. Yeah, I, I, I'm perfectly fine with just not going this, into full detail. This whole this. thing, like, everything Charlotte said just, is just not interesting at all. Yeah. I just don't care what Charlotte has to say, what Charlotte says she's going to do, nothing. Like... I like I like Rhonda. I really do. But there's something not connecting with this second run at all. It's really not. Yeah, she she just doesn't seem to have any sort of enthusiasm. Yeah, I I don't know what it is about her right now in this second run. It's just not clicking. She just seems like she doesn't want to be in like she doesn't want to be back. And if she didn't want to be back, why did she come back then? Like, it, it's just she has so little like excitement when she talks. She always sounds like she's just bored. She's like, "I'm gonna beat Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania," and I'm like, "Rhonda, can you and fucking? I'm gonna, em- I'm gonna make her tap out." I'm like, "Can you emote something?" Sound like you want to fucking do something. Like, come on. I couldn't stand listening to Charlotte because I just can't stand listening to Charlotte. She talked about how she was going to be, how Ronda will never be a 13-time women's champion. And I'm like, yeah, I wonder why you're a 13-time women's champion. You're only a 13-time women's champion because we've tried to inflate your numbers at every fucking possibility that we have. You were at 14 at the time with the two NXT titles and a freaking tag team title that you wanted to randomly count. 
Then you took all three of those off and moved her to 11 and then had her win two titles. And then you're like, it's 13, right? It's 13. Sure. Like, they have done everything in their power to inflate Charlotte's numbers. And it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Charlotte's not interesting to watch wrestle. She's not interesting to listen to or talk with her fucking automated voice every time. I, this is the Queen City! And I'm like, will you just shut the hell up? Like, I'm trying my damnedest. Because all I want to do is root for Rhonda. But even she's not giving me a reason to give a shit about this whole thing. And again, the only good thing that's going to come out of this match is if Ronda takes the title. Hands down. Because in the end, Ronda finally comes down to the ring. Charlotte reaches over next to the steps and grabs a kendo stick. Which she literally misses and just pretty much gets disarmed immediately. Ronda beats her out to the floor... Charlotte goes to kick her. She then puts her in the ankle, puts Charlotte in the ankle lock again, who reaches over the guardrail, grabs the kendo stick, whacks Rhonda once with it, and then Michael Cole with the stupidest fucking call I've ever heard in my life. Charlotte proceeds to take the kendo stick and choke Rhonda with it and just kind of lay back with her with her back over her knees, and it's like, look at that! That's the submission move that Charlotte used last week! And I'm like, what submission move? What submission move? <laughs> All she did was bend her over and grab her by her chin and go, oh, this is effective, isn't it? Anybody could get out of that if that's a submission. The hell is that? <clears throat> it's not a submission. Like... It's not that fucking, like, this This whole feud is is so underwhelming. And it's just the mix of Charlotte, who's fucking god-awful in everything right now, and Ronda sounding like she just doesn't care and doesn't want to be here. Like, why should I care about this feud? Again, the only thing I'm going to care about at this is if Ronda takes the title. And that's it. That's all I want at this point. I don't care... How interesting this match is, I don't care how anything. As long as Ronda takes the title, that's all I care. And this better not be the main event. I don't care if Ronda won the, the Royal Rumble or not. She better not be the main event. Hands down. And I'm being honest with you. When, because in my opinion, it's kind of guaranteed that uh, Ronda is winning. I mean, she's easily. Gonna, she's going to beat Charlotte. Easily. In my opinion, once Ronda wins, I think Charlotte needs to be off TV. Charlotte needs to just... Like, I, I've i said it hands down, and I don't really care. If Charlotte gets pissed at losing to Ronda at WrestleMania, and she leaves, I don't care. I really don't. I don't care if she leaves. I don't care if she's off TV. I don't, like, I don't care. Get her uh, the fuck away. I don't care how. I don't care if it's just her being off TV. Get her off there. I don't care if she fucking gets up and leaves. I don't give a shit what Charlotte does. Yeah. I don't I don't care what happens to Charlotte or if she's injured or not. Just 
get her if off. That's, if that happens and it's, it gets her off TV, it's for the better at this point. Charlotte, while she's champion right now, she doesn't need to be on the show every week. Like, what is, like, how is this show benefiting from Charlotte being on TV at all? Because it's not at all. Yeah. Gen- genuinely, if she's injured or not, or if she enter- just, she needs time off of TV. Yeah. Ever- nobody wants to see her on TV. That's, period. That's the thing, though. If Charlotte goes off TV, what does she do? If she, like if she comes back, because even then, I I don't I think she's at a point where nobody's gonna give a shit no matter what she does, whether she comes back, whether she's off TV and then comes back, she's gonna be right back in that state where nobody's gonna want to see her. Like Charlotte's in a state where she needs to just go. At this point, if she's not happy like at all, go be with Andrade, go fucking stink up AEW for all I care. Like, I'm not dying to watch Charlotte Flair wrestle anywhere anymore. Yeah. She's gotten to that point, and that's bad. Like, there's times, like, when you get to the state where I just don't want to watch you wrestle at all, or even see your face on TV, listen to any words you say, that's bad. That's pretty bad. I don't care when she picks up a microphone. I hate listening to her talk. She sounds like a fucking android when she talks. Because if you listen to her, she sounds like she's got auto-tune on her mic, which is ridiculous. And then the thing also with this feud, it's just like, it's so painfully obvious that Rhonda, Rhonda is so tired of Charlotte's shit that she, she's clearly contemplating not even working with her. Like, there's times that Charlotte will do a move, and then Ronda will just, like, sit there. She'll just, like, she hit Ronda with the kendo stick, and then she just stood there. It she makes just, me wonder... She just took the hit. It makes me wonder if she's seen everything that Charlotte does, because Charlotte does the same shit. I wonder if she's trying to turn the tables on her. Just to show her that this is what you do, so how does it feel when I do it? Kind of thing. Like, we've seen Charlotte do that stuff where she'll not sell moves. She'll not sell this. She's got to be the one to get the offense in. Well, how's it feel when the tables are turned on her? Maybe that's what Ronda's doing. Maybe she's playing Charlotte's game just to show Charlotte, hey, this is you. Like, how's it feel? Yeah, and it's clear that Charlotte doesn't give a shit about whoever she's in the ring with. (laughs) Because also during this segment... There was that nasty fucking apron spot, the apron bump, right? Where Rhonda's like getting out of the ring, and Charlotte grabs her fucking leg and pulls it from underneath her while she's getting out of the ring, and she fucking tumbles and completely misses the fucking apron and just fucking splats on the floor. Yeah, she like folded up and fell on the floor, and I was like, holy shit. But the thing was, she got right up after that, and I'm like, how? Like, there's no way in hell that her being in the UFC, that her taking that fall didn't fucking hurt at all. Like, that shit looked painful. You literally hear her body just fall off the apron and splat. Like, and she got right up. And I don't know how she got up. Yeah. Like, the fact that Charlotte was willing to do that shit... And not with no fucking remorse whatsoever. 
is 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 just not it's not good. It shows you how much Charlotte doesn't give a damn about anybody but herself. Yeah. And it's fucking sad. Like again, if Ronda wins this title, there's one good thing that's going to come out of it also, and that's what we're probably going to see the Ronda that we knew back then. How she was how everything that she was doing when she had the title was helping the women's division, which I hope it is. I hope it's true. Because Ronda made everybody, even when it was like, there's no way in hell. It's Ronda Rousey. How does anybody look like a believable challenger against Ronda Rousey? Well, guess what? Ronda can make anyone look like a a believable challenger. Because that's what she was doing. It's the same thing Becky's doing. Nowadays. Like, I I just want that title off of Charlotte. Maybe that has something to do as to why Ronda is so, like, uh... Just seems so unenthused because she has to be working with Charlotte. And that's that could be. Maybe that is. Because I mean, like, when her when she did her Royal Rumble promo, like backstage after she won, she didn't really see she had that same mentality though, where she looked like she didn't even want to be here. And then even when she was talking about Charlotte that one time, she just seemed like she was like not interested at all. But I think it's because maybe it's because she's working with Charlotte and that's the thing. And I'm like, uh, I would understand because at this point, I don't think anybody wants to work with Charlotte. Like, why freaking, why try to work with somebody that doesn't give a shit if you look good at all? Yeah. So, all in all, the week was just a letdown, honestly. Uh, The whole week honestly felt like a letdown raw was just between everybody feeling dislike upset because of scott hall passing raw fell flat as well was just flat as it was anyway so that didn't make it any better nxt was rough to get through this week aw as you said was just watchable like doesn't mean it was good in the end and then smackdown was just you had the opening segment and then everything else was just there and everything else was just not that interesting to begin with. Yeah. So, maybe next week we have again we're two weeks away from WrestleMania. Maybe the maybe the next two weeks will pick up. Yeah, let's. I go. don't expect the week leading into WrestleMania. I don't expect much. But this, but next week I expect I'm I'm hoping something. It's got to be something because again I'm going into WrestleMania with like very low interest this year. Yeah. Very low. So I have like zero expectations, right? So we'll see what this, what next week has in store for us. And we'll be back next week when we to cover them all over again. It's the end time wrestling podcast right here. Episode number 17. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Justin time two one one. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy time seven two one. And we are out of here.